Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A school teacher falls prey to a flesh-eating monster. I've never had a pain like this in my life, and I'm freaking out. A young dancer's life hangs in the balance when a vicious attacker strikes. I'm thinking that I would, wouldn't be able to dance ever again was just devastating. And a retiree is driven to the brink of insanity by a host of hungry critters. If this rash continues, it would just absolutely drive me nuts. Three very different parasites, united by a primal urge to eat. And these people are on the menu. Worms invisible to the human eye. Insects, thirsty for blood. Microscopic amoeba. They might look harmless, but these are some of nature's deadliest creatures. They can hijack our bodies, disable our immune systems. They are parasites. But to those infected, they are the monsters inside me. Parasites are organisms that live in or on other living organisms called hosts and exploit them for their own ends. Like all living things, a parasite needs food to survive. And for a hungry parasite, the human body can be an excellent source of food. And when some of the most aggressive parasites find a host, the result is a feeding frenzy, as one man in Ohio is about to find out. Two thousand six. Gene Williams is a forty-year-old school teacher living in Cincinnati, Ohio. I love teaching because it gives me the opportunity to see kids grow and learn. I also coach volleyball at the high school. We just finished one of our most successful seasons. At home, 
Gene, his wife Kathy, and their son Alex are the picture of a happy, outgoing family. We love being outside and having our friends over. They bring their children down too, and uh, we have kids' activities, and it's a lot of fun. But their idyllic family life is about to be torn apart. Gene is back at work after a week-long family vacation in Florida. My volleyball team had a scrimmage that I had to help coach. But on the court, Gene begins to feel unwell. Normally, I'm yelling and encouraging and coaching. In this particular day, it was very, very hard for me. I felt warm, and I felt as if maybe the gym was too hot. As the game wears on, it's become clear that the temperature in the gym is not the problem. I feel myself just getting hotter and hotter, and I feel myself getting dizzy, and I'm thinking to myself, this is not good. Gene makes it through the game and returns home. When he arrives, his wife Kathy senses something is amiss. Gene comes through the front door, and he just looks awful. He's sweating. He had a slight fever. I think that he has a virus or the flu, but he copes with illness very well. I didn't really worry about it. Kathy gives Gene aspirin for his fever and goes to bed, leaving him to rest on the couch. But as he lies there, Gene gets a strange sensation in his stomach. I have a pain in my abdomen that is starting off very slowly as if somebody's pushing on it really hard. This isn't like any flu I've had before. That night, Gene never makes it to bed. He's in so much pain, he could not get off the couch. I crashed on the sofa. Nothing felt right. All I want to do is make this pain in my stomach go away. And then there's a frightening new symptom. Gene's temperature is sky high. It's 104. Even though I'm sweating, I have the chills, and I want a blanket around me, and I'm looking for comfort. Kathy puts Gene to bed, hoping his fever will break. But as the day wears on, he only gets worse. The pain in my stomach is like a knife being pushed into it. Gene could barely even lift his arms to take a glass of water. He can't even get out of bed to even go to the bathroom. After another night in agony, Gene reaches his breaking point. Finally, I had enough. Laying in bed, I knew I had to get some help, some serious help. Leaving their son Alex with a neighbor, Kathy rushes Gene to the local hospital. I've never had a pain like this in my life, and I'm freaking out. I just keep telling Gene just to hold on. We're going to be at the hospital here in just a little bit. I've never seen him this amount of pain before. At the hospital, doctors send Gene for an abdominal ultrasound. Immediately, the technicians see something. I see her looking at the screen and looks to me like she's measuring something. I see a look of concern on her face. 
Now I get a little worried. It's clear that something is wrong, but the technician is not allowed to tell them what it is. They must wait for the doctor. And that's when I knew something was wrong. Moments later, the doctor enters to review the results. The radiologist comes in. I said, doctor, do you see something? And he says, yes. You've got a baseball-sized mass on your liver. I asked the doctor, could it be cancer? And he says, yes. The liver is one of the body's most important organs. It produces chemicals that aid digestion and removes toxins from the blood. If the mass on Gene's liver is a malignant tumor, he could die. I'm just thinking, this cannot be cancer. Please don't let this be cancer. Please let it be something else. Gene is immediately given a CAT scan to confirm the diagnosis, leaving Kathy alone. And that's when I lost it. As soon as I left the ultrasound room, I, I just started crying. Hours later, the CAT scan results are in. And the news seems to be good. Jean doesn't have cancer. Professor of Radiology, Dr. Jonathan Moulton, talks Jean and Kathy through the diagnosis. Based on these results, we think it is most likely that Jean has two liver abscesses. An abscess is a pus-filled sac, usually caused by an infection of some kind. Untreated, an abscess can result in blood poisoning and death. Surgical tubes are inserted into Jean's abdomen to drain the pus. Dr. Moulton hopes this will help the liver heal while he tries to locate the source of the infection. It's a relief thinking that it's not cancer and that they might be able to cure this with some tubes. But 48 hours later, Jean's condition has not improved. The drains are not putting out as much fluid as we think they should, and Jean is still showing signs of active infection. Dr. Moulton orders another CAT scan to find out what's going wrong. The results are very alarming. The two drains are in perfect position, but each abscess is over twice as large as it was two days ago. The scans show that instead of decreasing, Gene's abscesses have doubled in size. In 20 years of practice, I have not seen a liver abscess grow this fast. The only option is to cut Gene open and remove the infected tissue immediately. Without this surgery, Gene will die. He tells me that I need to go to emergency surgery and I need to go right now. Gene Williams is on the brink of death. Doctors have found two huge abscesses growing in his liver. Without immediate surgery, he'll die. The doctor says, prep him as if he's going to get a liver transplant. But now I know it's serious. Now I know that this is life-threatening, that he, if he doesn't have surgery, he's going to die. The next thing I know, 
doctors, nurses, anesthesiologists, everybody just started running into his room and started packing him up to take him to the operating room. For Jean's wife, Kathy, it's a living nightmare. This is the worst moment of my life. Gene tells me that he knows he's dying. He can feel it. He's actually turning gray. All I think about is letting Kathy and Alex know how much I love them. I just could not believe that he's that close to death. And the, the thought of Gene not being there for Alex was indescribable. It is indescribable. Kathy only has moments to say goodbye before the medical team rushes Gene to the OR. My last memory before I fall asleep is Kathy running along me, holding my hand, telling me how much she loves me. Surgeons remove 65% of Gene's pus-filled liver and the infected tissue is sent for testing. When the results come back, the doctors are shocked. After testing him before and after surgery, the result is something that nobody expected. Something I haven't seen in, in my career. Gene is infected with a parasite called Entamoeba histolytica. A parasite? In me? I never thought that would be possible. Entamoeba histolytica is a parasitic amoeba that feeds on living cells in the human gut. Most of the time, the presence of entamoeba histolytica in the intestines causes dysentery. This is an inflammation of the intestines that causes diarrhea and in the worst case, severe dehydration. But in rare cases, the entamoeba histolytica will actually attack the intestinal wall, eating through the tissue. From there, it travels in the blood to the liver. Here, the entamoeba feeds on the liver cells, thus creating an abscess of dead material, liquefying the liver. The word histolytic literally means tissue destroying, and that's exactly what this amoeba does. How dare this thing use me as its human lunch? But how did a schoolteacher from Cincinnati contract such a deadly parasite? The amoeba starts its life cycle as a free-living cyst in the water. When a human drinks contaminated water, the cyst enters the gut. Here, the amoeba emerges from the cyst, divides, feeds, and then re-incysts. When the cyst passes out of the body into the water, the life cycle is complete. Entamoeba histolytica is usually found in tropical regions. This means Gene most likely contracted the parasite through contaminated water in a warm climate. Then it comes to me. When we were in Florida, we went to a water park that had just opened. Could Gene have picked up the deadly amoeba at a water park? The doctor explains to me that typically it takes about a week for symptoms to show, and that would have been perfect in our timeline from when we were on vacation. It's hard to believe that Gene got this parasite when we were on vacation having so much fun. In the hospital, with 65% of his liver gone, Gene's life hangs in the balance. I know you need your liver and 65% sounds like a lot of it. 
So I'm wondering, will I pull through this? To make matters worse, the parasite is still raging through his system, putting his other organs at risk. Dr. Moulton starts Gene on heavy antiparasitic drugs to kill the parasite before it kills him. Slowly but surely, the drugs take effect, and Gene begins to get better. And multiple weeks after starting treatment, Gene is finally parasite-free. But it takes another few months for his liver to regenerate to its pre-surgery size and for Gene to fully recover. He lost 30 pounds in the hospital. It was a very long recovery. Now, four years after his fateful vacation, Gene is back to his old life, except for one side effect. When they made the incision, they cut all the nerves around my stomach. And now, I would love to hug Alex, but I just can't feel it. My reminder of my ehistolytica. Entamoeba histolytica infections are extremely common. Around the world, there are almost 50 million reported cases every year. But only about 70,000 of those turn deadly. Most infections occur when the victim ingests food or water contaminated with the amoeba. Travelers to tropical regions where sanitation is poor should avoid consuming food and drink prepared in unhygienic conditions and refrain from swimming in contaminated water. Entamoeba histolytica has a brilliant survival strategy. It steals food from inside its host to fuel its life cycle. Some parasites use food in a totally different way. They use it to get inside their hosts, as one young dancer is about to discover. 2007, Florida. 22-year-old Heather Wallace is pursuing her dream of being a professional dancer. She lives in Orlando with her mother and works as a performer at a local theater. I love being on stage. I love performing and dancing. It's such a rush and I love it. For Heather, making her living as a dancer is a dream come true. Little does she know that her dream job is about to turn into a nightmare. It's October and Heather is on stage at Capone's Dinner Theater. It's peak season, so we have a lot of tourists in town. There's a lot of energy in the crowd. The show is going really good, running smooth, having a good time. But backstage, Heather notices something that dampens her mood. Taking a break after the first show, I look down and notice I have dark red splotchy marks on my forearms that are itching. But in the short break, Heather doesn't have time to study the rash properly and she is soon back out on stage to finish the show. The next morning, Heather's mother, Diana, offers her opinion on what's causing the rash. Heather's allergic to trees, grass, pollen, cats, dogs. So I thought maybe she might be allergic to something that she was close to uh, when she was dancing. Heather assumes the rash will clear up on its own and puts it out of her mind. But one week later, she makes an alarming discovery. I come backstage, take off my costume to change, and see all these, these dark red purple marks on my back and down my sides. Heather has large red welts, often called hives, covering most of her upper body. When she gets home, her mother is deeply concerned. Heather comes home with hives 
on her arms and legs, on her shoulders, on the back of her neck, on her torso. I just can't believe the state of Heather's skin. It's just awful. What started as a rash is now a full body outbreak. I haven't seen anything like this on my body before and it freaked me out pretty good. There's something seriously, seriously wrong. Concerned, Heather decides it's time to consult her physician. My doctor looked at the rashes that I had. He examines me, looks at the marks on my arms. The doctor then performs a seemingly simple test. He takes his pen and he drags it across my forearm. The results are anything but normal. It welts up into this red mark, almost as if he wrote across my arm. The doctor tells her that she has a condition called dermographism, a form of hives that is activated by pressure on the skin. The bad news is that dermographism is a chronic condition with no cure. Heather will have to learn to live with her symptoms. He told me to try and wear loose-fitting clothing all the time, which is not really an option in my profession, so it was kind of hard for me to take that advice. December 2007. Heather has been coping with her hives for two months when a disturbing new symptom appears. I wake up to go to work, and uh, as I get up, I notice that my elbows and wrists are extremely painful and, and very, very stiff. I've never felt anything like this before. Getting dressed, brushing my hair, everything was really, really painful. And I'm thinking, am I going to be able to dance today? Heather's mother, Diana, is also worried. She's so stiff that she can't really hardly walk. And I can't even imagine how she's going to dance. It was just breaking my heart. But with the holiday show sold out and with no one to fill in for her, Heather has to go to work. I'm hoping that maybe once I get to work and I start moving around and, and dancing that the pain and the stiffness will loosen up and go away. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. But it doesn't go away. I'm in so much pain in, in all of my joints. It's really difficult to keep the smile on my face and I have tears rolling down my cheeks. It's getting harder and harder. I've never felt agony like this. As soon as the curtain falls, Heather collapses. Fortunately, her mother is there to pick her up. My mom comes up to me and I tell her, I can't move my arms, I can't move my legs. It's like I'm paralyzed. Why am I in so much pain? She just said that we need to go to the hospital, Mom. In the ER, Heather is seen by the on-call doctor. The doctor saw the rashes on my arms and legs and, and how I wasn't able to move, and he seemed to get very concerned and put on gloves. The doctor suspects that Heather has a deadly condition called meningitis. Meningitis really scared me because I knew that people die from that. I just started crying. I was so scared. Meningitis is an inflammation of the membranes that surround the brain and spinal cord. In its bacterial form, it is highly contagious and can cause rashes, stiffness, paralysis, and even death. The doctor draws Heather's blood to test for the disease leaving Heather and her mother to wait for the results. Laying there thinking that maybe I'm not going to be able to move again, I would, wouldn't be able to dance, thinking that possibly I, I could die, it, it was terrifying. I just, I don't know what I would do if I couldn't dance. A few hours later, the doctor returns with Heather's blood tests. He tells me that I did not have meningitis, which was a huge relief. But the doctor still has no idea what is causing her symptoms. All he can do is prescribe steroids to treat Heather's pain and inflammation and send her home. It was really scary to, to walk out of there knowing that the doctors there couldn't tell me what was wrong. But Heather refuses to give up. Desperate to find out what is causing her symptoms, she contacts a specialist at the Orlando Infectious Disease Center Dr. Jose Alberto Heron. At this point, after everybody telling me I can't figure out what is wrong, I'm hoping that maybe this doctor can help me. 
Dr. Heron starts by looking at the results of Heather's blood work. He's struck by a strange anomaly. Heather has a high white blood cell count. I noticed that the count was elevated and was over 1,000. Uh, the normal count is less than 500. While this could be caused by Heather's allergies, Dr. Heron thinks something more sinister is going on. He orders more blood work. And one week later, when the test results come back, his suspicions are confirmed. She has a parasite called trichinella and that her condition was trichinosis. I'm dumbfounded. I can't, I can't believe it. Trichinella spiralis is a parasitic worm that causes the deadly disease trichinosis. In the human body, the Trichinella spiralis larvae use their piercing mouthparts to cut into the muscle and tissue of their host. As the worm burrows through the flesh, the body's immune system attacks the worm, inflaming the surrounding tissue. This immune response is what's been causing Heather's skin problems, muscle pain, and paralysis. I never would have thought in a million years that a parasite could have been the cause of all of my symptoms. Dr. Heron puts Heather on powerful antiparasitic medication that he hopes will kill the worms that are ravaging her body. If the drugs don't work, Heather may never dance again. I was just so scared and weirded out that I had these worms in my muscle tissue and my joints. I had no idea that a, a parasite could cause that much trouble. But how did Heather get infected? The parasite begins its life cycle as a cyst in the tissue of a mammal, like a rodent. When the infected rodent is eaten by a carnivore such as a pig, the parasite enters the pig's gut. Once in the pig's gut, the cyst releases tiny larvae. The larvae mature and mate. Their offspring then migrate into the pig's muscle tissue. When the pig dies and the infected muscle tissues are eaten by another rodent, the life cycle continues. If a human eats the infected animal, the trichinella worm will continue its cycle inside the human host. Heather contracted trichinosis by eating infected meat, most likely pork. The only time it could have happened was at a company picnic where we had pulled pork sandwiches. Maybe, possibly, I could have gotten it there. After 10 days of treatment, and almost six months after she first became infected, Heather is finally feeling better. My skin gradually started to get better. Um, my joint pain and muscle pain started to improve. It wasn't 100% by the time I finished the medication, but it continued to improve after that. To see Heather's skin starting to clear up, I was just so excited. It really felt like now we had some hope. A few months later, Heather is back on stage, completely recovered. It's just so amazing to know that I can continue dancing after thinking that I was going to lose it all. Trichinella infections are very rare in the US. On average, there are only around 12 cases a year. The best way to prevent infection is to avoid eating wild game or home-raised pork that has not been cooked to an internal temperature of 170 degrees Fahrenheit or higher. Trichinella spiralis wreaks havoc on the body when we eat it. But some of the more successful parasites on the planet are the ones that feed on us. As a retiree in Phoenix is about to find out firsthand. 
Chicago native Edwin Curtis is living out his golden years in sunny Phoenix, Arizona. Absolutely love it out here. The weather is marvelous. It's the kind of an area where you can do things probably 365 days a year. He and his wife, Joan, make the most of the beautiful climate. We have a lot of friends who get together a lot and do outdoor activities. We just love it. It's a great place to live. And for Ed, the clear conditions are perfect for his lifelong pastime. I've always had the passion for radio control model airplanes, which is truly a fun hobby. Life is good for Ed and Joan, but their peaceful routine is about to turn into a living hell. 2005, Ed is at home with Joan, enjoying some quiet time before bed. I'm in our family room watching TV. Uh, all of a sudden, I, I felt a little itch on the back of my neck. So I call Joan over and ask her to take a look at it. The spot looks not even as big as a mosquito bite. It's just like a pinpoint size, maybe, but it's red. It was hard to tell what it was. He said it was driving him crazy. But something about this little red spot makes Ed wary of scratching it. I have a terrible habit of scratching anything that, that bothers me on my skin, but uh, this one feels a little different. Ed tries to ignore the itch and goes to bed. But the next morning, when he and Joan wake up, it's still there. The itch is, isn't doing any better. Uh, this, I'm still scratching at it. And now all of a sudden, I'm starting to feel additional itches beyond just the back of my neck. I'm feeling very uncomfortable. But Joan thinks she has a solution. We'll try lotion on it and cream. We've always heard it's supposed to help and see what happens. Ed tries a variety of lotions to try to soothe his skin. But two days later, as he's getting out of the shower, he notices something strange. As I get out of the shower and go over to shave, uh, I realize as I look in the mirror that there are welts all over my body. Neither Ed nor Joan have any idea what is causing the strange welts. The spots on Ed's body are probably the size of a quarter and red as ketchup. So we've never seen anything like this. What could it be? We, um, we were perplexed. What's worse, the large red welts are also very itchy. The welts on my body, I notice itch more and more. The lotions I'm using haven't been any help at all. I'm thinking there's something going on here, uh, something that's not normal. If this rash continues, it would just absolutely drive me nuts. Perplexed as to what might be causing the spots, Ed and his wife Joan head to the doctor. We're seeing the red spots seem to multiply on his body, and um, we're not sure what's going on. The doctor examines Ed's rash and asks him if he's taking any medication. I recently have had knee replacement surgery, and I'm on some pretty strong meds to, to relieve pain. And he says, I believe that it's probably an allergic reaction. The doctor advises Ed to stop taking the pain medication. We were excited when we heard that because we knew the medications would wear off soon and uh, he'd be over with this. 
but the doctor makes it clear that Ed must stop scratching his skin if he wants it to heal. To reduce the itching, the doctor prescribes topical antihistamines. But the following night, to Ed's dismay, the itching hasn't gotten better. In fact, it's much worse. I'm normally an extremely sound sleeper, but I'm starting to wake up and I find myself scratching various parts of my body. The itching is starting to really get to him because it's pretty much constant. Ed's getting up six times during the night now with this itching. He can't sleep. But Ed and Joan are determined to stick to the doctor's advice. And after a week, Ed examines his skin looking for any sign of improvement. As I look at myself in the mirror, I realize that a week ago, I probably had a dozen spots. By this time, it's probably up to 20, 25 spots all over the trunk of my body. And those are just the spots he can see. Joan confirms that there are even more spots on his back. I can see some of the spots that he can't see. And he looks like a war victim, like he was in a catastrophe somewhere. This is ridiculous. It just doesn't make any sense. I'm wondering if I'm just seeing things, but they're real. And for Ed, trying not to scratch the spots is torture. Trying to control my desire to itch every spot on my body is starting to drive me a little bonkers. I realize that uh, if I continue scratching, I'm probably just hurting myself. I almost feel like I should have my hands tied behind my back. My discomfort is really getting worse. Ed is in agony. After almost two weeks of resisting the urge to scratch, he can no longer hold himself back. I kept telling Ed it's probably not the best to, to scratch and itch those spots, but it was difficult for him not to. It was driving him crazy. This itch is something that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. I realize that if this rash continues, I will be a miserable old man very soon. The itching is driving me crazy. All I can think of is, I gotta get better. This is absolutely ridiculous. Tired and frustrated, Ed and his wife Joan decide it's time to consult a specialist. Dr. Howard Luber is a specialist in internal medicine and dermatology in Phoenix. Edwin presents to me with a widespread rash. He has itchy, red, scaly bumps everywhere but his face. But it's impossible to tell what's causing the rash just by looking at it. So Dr. Luber takes a skin sample from one of Ed's inflamed red welts. I decide to do a skin biopsy to try to get some clues as to why his condition is not going away. The piece of skin goes to a laboratory to be tested. One week later, Dr. Luber has the answer. The doctor called us and I happened to answer the phone. I called Ed and he got on the phone. I'm sitting on pins and needles waiting to hear what the doctor has to say. So the test results come back, and it's clear now that we have an answer as to what's causing Edwin's rash. Edwin has a parasitic disease called scabies. 
Neither one of us had a clue what it was. I immediately think of something that's eating away at a dead body. It, it sounds very frightening. Scabies is caused by an infestation of the skin by the human itch mite, Sarcoptes scabii. This microscopic parasite literally eats your skin. The female mite is attracted to the warmth and odor of human skin. Using its mouth and special cutting surfaces on its front legs, the mite burrows into the host. Once inside, the parasite continues to burrow through the skin, leaving secretions and waste in its wake. It's these secretions and waste products that trigger the body's immune response, causing inflammation and rash. If my skin wasn't already itching, the thought of a parasite crawling under my skin would cause me to start itching. But how did Ed become infected in the first place? The scabies life cycle begins when a female mite burrows into human skin. Once inside the skin, the female lays eggs. The eggs hatch and then become adult mites. The adult mites return to the skin surface to look for mates. And when the female successfully mates, the life cycle is complete. Adult mites will often seek out a new host. They do this by hitching a ride on sheets, linens, or through skin-to-skin -skin contact. This means that any place where people are in close quarters can be a potential source of infection. Dr. Luber asks Ed if he's had any recent hospital stays. Tracing back to the knee surgery, I had been in the hospital for five days, and uh, after I went to a rehab center, either one of those places could have been where the scabies came from. It is a miracle upon miracles that I don't have this parasite under my skin. With a diagnosis in hand, Dr. Luber prescribes an antiparasitic cream to kill the mites and an anti-inflammatory to relieve the itching. A scabies infection is a serious condition. The worst case scenario, all that scratching can cause infection and even blood poisoning. After a few weeks of treatment, the mites are dead, but it takes eight months for the trauma to Ed's skin to heal and his itching to stop completely. When Ed starts sleeping all through the night, I know we're there. Almost a year after the first symptoms, Ed finally has his life back. To go through the itching, the welts, the discomfort, and to have it gone is wonderful. Can't describe how wonderful you feel, how good you feel. Scabies is a fairly common infection. Every year in the U.S., there are over a million cases. The best way to prevent infection is to avoid skin-to-skin -skin contact with infected persons and to launder any contaminated linens or clothing in hot water before using them. There is hardly an organism on this planet that doesn't have a parasite living in it or on it. And the most sinister parasites are all around us, lurking, waiting to infect their next host so that they can start a feeding frenzy. For more disgusting parasites and tips on how to avoid them, visit our website, animalplanet.com slash monstersinsideme.